With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, yes, today, yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one might be. There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. Just looking around, the jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something And then at that particular time I lost it <laughs> Devon Trump Yes, yes, yes Today Phoenix is another place They got a great uh, training staff I mean they, they were able to breathe life back into track And you can do that you know, People talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one mic. Yes, yes, today as we start this show, this one mic. Welcome to RSG One Mic, uh, one of our podcasts on our, our, our Real Sports Guys platform. Uh, this is your man, D. Wills. I'm here with my man, Hank. The title of this show is In God We Trust, but We Don't Trust Football. And uh, we'll explain that later on because an opening weekend, there are already uh, a group of fans who are grumbling, who had faith in a whole bunch of stuff on Wednesday. But now that it's Sunday, they went to church, and uh, faith went out the door. They had to regroup. They had to. Uh, they had to. They had to go in there on that first Sunday, and 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 cleanse themselves. And we'll take time to talk about that uh, as we get in the show. But before I I go, I can't I can't proceed without. Have my man who who doesn't pick a roll with me ends up in the paint always finishes at the rim. My man Hank Davis, what's up, Hank? How you doing? Hey, though, bro. How you doing? Everything is good. And I would be remiss if this time, man, if I didn't take an opportunity to uh, mention uh, uh, a gentleman uh, that is kind of responsible for this weekend. Uh, many of you don't know him, but a lot of you celebrate his work. I'm talking about Mr. Peter McGuire. Now, if you don't know who Peter McGuire mm-hmm. is, he's a carpenter. Uh, and he's a labor union leader uh, who, back in the back in September of 1882, uh, yeah. went to the Central Labor Union and said, "You know, we need to celebrate some of these hardworking people here in this country." And thus, on that day, uh, 136 years ago, uh, the first Labor Day was celebrated. And so, on tonight, I want to take this opportunity to wish you, D. And all of our listeners out there, a very happy Labor Day weekend. 
what some call the unofficial end of summer. Uh, you know, it's one where we finally go out of time and everything. School starts officially, and we are officially into fall, even though the calendar still says we got a few more weeks left of the summer. This is the unofficial end of the summer of 2018. But, again, happy Labor Day to you, my brother. Oh, man, I, I always be telling thank you, big bro. I always be telling you bringing bringing that wisdom and that that that, that additional uh, nugget to the show um, to, to add a little flavor to it. So thank you, big man. And uh, we're going to have – I know you and I are going to have fun uh, tonight. This is they're still going on. We got Miami gets LSU tonight. But this is a, a big weekend uh, kicking off college football. Um, and so we're going to spend some time talking a lot about college football uh, today. Um, but uh, I want you to know that you can catch us and follow us on uh, if you have on most podcast platforms, search Real Sports Guys. On social media platforms, search Real Sports Guys. Check us out. Come see us. Uh, share your thoughts. We get a lot of folks who, who come in and uh, will uh, uh, share some stuff with us on social media or, or hang out. So, so make sure you do that. But if you do that, know this. That's our guy, that's our guy, cocaine. You know, we will we will we will take a bite out of crime if you come wrong. So know that whether you come on the air or you come anywhere, you come wrong on social media, you come into the DMs, we will come back to you and take a bite out of crime. It won't be me, it'll be our dog, cocaine. So, but we invite you to always engage us, and uh, we look forward to it. So it's about college football uh, today, and uh, I wanted to um, kick off a little bit. Um, I'm going to switch the order a little bit to run down, uh, Hank. I'm, I'm going to talk about my, my trip to Camp Randall. Um, as you know, we've been pushing and expanding uh, RSG. Uh, we try to do something different um, uh, every year. And a lot of our, a lot of you have followed us uh, mostly in, in this space, you know, on this podcast space, listening to us. Um, there are times, you know, we did the RSG Live. Uh, but we're trying to expand and get in, in, into different locations and connect. And, and, and most of you know that Madison's my own backyard. And so um, decided to get that, that media pass and got some support with some folks to try to, to get access there and have my first trip into Camp Randall as a media person, um, which was uh, kind of exciting, being in the press box, um, watching uh, the number four ranked uh, Wisconsin Badgers um, uh, play against Western Kentucky. Um, and um, it was quite an experience. Uh, you, you know, when they, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, when the, the students jump around, I thought the press box was going to fall like the Titanic. I mean, it was shaking. I looked around at the rest of the reporters. I was like, should we be heading for the exit? You know, let's, let's, let's get out of here. Um, but it was good to, be in that, to have that experience there. Um, and we'll thank all the folks over there in the um, in the uh, communication area uh, for uh, for the Badgers and Wisconsin Athletics uh, with a great experience over there. Um, but one of the things that I, I want to – I went into that game. I, I wrote down two things. I wanted to see how Hornybrook was going to play on third down. To me, that's, that's the difference. You know it's well documented that Wisconsin has the, probably the best offensive line in the country. Um, and then they have Taylor, who is a Heisman Trophy candidate. So running the football – is something you know they're going to do, you know Paul Chris is going to invest in. But Paul Chris has also worked to have a balanced offense. 
And um, they can run the football on a lot of teams. But in those games when you're playing those top teams with great defenses, um, you're going to have to make some plays on third down. And so I wanted to see how he was going to play uh, on third down. And I still saw some of the uncomfortable behaviors that I saw last year on third down where he didn't look comfortable in the pocket. Um, he, he played better when they rolled him out and, and limited his decisions. But that is a space where he's going to have to grow each game. He's going to be going into Ann Arbor uh, to play against the Wolverines. By that time, that'll be a much different team, I believe. And so he's going to have to be able to make plays on the road in those kind of places. At home, they have a pretty strong schedule. That, I mean, soft schedule in, in terms of at home or teams I think they, can, they, they should be able to beat. But they got Nebraska coming in. So a lot of their tough games are going to be on the road. And he's going to have to make some plays. Similar to um, uh, when um, uh, Michigan uh, went into Iowa City and they had to get uh, – Wilton had to make one or two plays, uh, I believe. Wilton had to make one or two plays. He couldn't make those plays, and it cost him. So he, he – I'll give I'll grade him out probably about a B on, on being able to convert on third down in a way that I'm comfortable at the, at the point where he is right now as a quarterback. He's got enough years under his system. You know, with that victory, victory of Miami coming off of that, I want to see a little bit more confidence. Now, he's missing his number one receiver, um, who uh, is um, um, uh, Cephas, who is, who is um, you know, uh, going through some uh, accusations in, uh, around sexual assault. Uh, he's missing another receiver who was actually there taking videos. And so, uh, you know, Chris suspended those players. And so he's without his number one season, but they played without him last year for a lot of the season. So they still got some players who can produce. And so this is where he has to lead as a as someone who has been under center, been in some big games. And so the other thing I was looking at with them is I wanted to see whether or not um, they were going to re- be able to replace those linebackers they lost up front um, with Dooley and some of those guys and be able to continue to put pressure in the passing um, uh, when there's passing situation. Can they get to the quarterback? I didn't have that same kind of explosiveness up front. Um, I would say they did a good job, although um, uh, uh, Western Kentucky's quarterback had a lot of mobility and was able to scramble. Um, they kind of tightened things up later on, but um, that's something that's going to continue to improve. They got a great units of backfield um, it, that's been well documented, but that front seven and those passing downs, you got to get to the quarterback. They got to be able to do that with four men rushing. So, it was a great experience at Camp Randall. You know, I update you from time to time throughout the season uh, as we try to uh, follow them because, you know, how, obviously they're going to be, um, if they keep winning like they're winning, they're going to be a highly ranked uh, team. They're going to be in the conversation uh, when we get to the bowl championship. And so uh, it was it was quite an experience to, to be there, um, you know, uh, in in that kind of uh, role as a, as a media person, you know, sitting in the box um, and kind of experiencing game from that uh, uh, vantage point. So, I'll keep y'all posted as we go, but that was a great way for me to open up the college football weekend. But then, the other thing I want to talk about here in the open mic is Saban. So, Saban comes off the field, all this controversy going on around the quarterback situation. And uh, he, uh, you know, all coaches at the end of the game, you win, you're going to be the one they're going to interview. And uh, um, he had a, a interview with uh, at the end of the game, question was asked about, um, uh, you know, what did he learn? I thought it was a fair question. What did he learn? It, w- it wasn't about, you know, uh, about judging, but he's like, what did he learn about his quarterbacks? And he basically just blasted back. 
in a way that I thought was very inappropriate, something that he would never tolerate it uh, by any of his players. And it goes back to this thing that it's almost like, you know, that, that, that feeling you get when you feel guilty. Like when you know you ain't quite playing right. You know, you're always in the defense mode. You got a quarterback with, what, 26 and what, two, five? You know, um, had one kind of bad half football. You put somebody in uh, who comes in and uh, into a who makes some great plays and, 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 and look great, uh, but also made some plays that were questionable championship game. And then all of a sudden, you know, this cat who's been carrying you is now sitting here in second fiddle, but the whole time you say in this quarterback competition, when everybody in the world knows that you're going to go with Tua. And part of it is, like, say what you mean. Like, step up. You know, say it with your chest. Do something. You know, don't just sit there and not get into it and just say it. So, Saban, you know, I always say, you know, for us when we went back in the Big Ten, he was 6-6 six and six Saban. He was, you know, he was 9 and whatever Saban. You know, you know, now he you know he's up, he stepped up the game a little with the LSU, but we know him when and so some of those things I see from his history, uh, that this kinda 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 uh pushed me away a little bit. How do you think Saban's handling this quarterback um situation? I'm not even gonna call it controversy. Uh Hank, how how did you respond and when you heard him how his response to Maria, which was Maria, I mean, she's on her game, you know, she didn't flinch. Um, she's a pro. I hope they put her on get up permanently. Because uh, she she's got skills, um, she handled it. But but how did you how did you think? What did you think about his Popovichian response? You know, I thought that you know that that's a, that's an obvious question. Okay, now this is this has been part of the narrative this whole post preseason of college football. What was Nick Saban going to do with Jalen Hurts and Tua? Okay. He, they, everybody knew that ever since that young man threw that touchdown pass to win him the national championship earlier this year, that this was going to be the question going into this season. And he started to and then he brought in Hurts later. Nick Saban is a savvy coach, and I agree with you. For him to get that bit out of a, out of shape, out of knowing that was the question that was going to ask. And for those who don't know, he just kind of ranted and raved about, you know, you're trying to get me to disrespect one of these guys and I'm not going to do it. And no one is asking you to disrespect your players, okay? It's a legitimate question. You've got two very talented quarterbacks, and the nation wants to know, national champs, what are you going to do and how are you going to handle that? You know, I, he later apologized, but I just think that some of that curmudgeon stuff that uh, Nick Saban does sometimes is unnecessary. People got a job to and, you know, for him to just lose his mind like that, you know, it, like you said, it was very inappropriate and unnecessary. I, um, he don't know, I think. I think the thing is, like, I think he is in a, he's in a quandary, D, because you, you can't just um, diss Jalen Hurts. You know, there was rumors that Jalen Hurts was talking about transferring from Alabama this year because of this situation. And they talked to him about this being a fair uh, competition. Now, let's take no 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 question about it. Uh, Tua can uh, uh, I can't pronounce it. Tua Tia Kvaloga, whatever. Um, go for it. I, I, go. I, know my, I know my girl Joy listening. Like, what did you just say? I know it. I know it. We can do it. What did he just say? That's why we call him Tua, you know, and, and I'm a communication Mama major, and I struggle with that last name. But my point is this. The young man can throw. He 
can throw he can throw his lights out. Now, he can ball. But his stuff is shown. He can get away. I think that you know, uh, Saban could get away with starting Tua for the whole season just simply because Alabama is so deep everywhere, and he's going to run the football. Okay, he's going to run the football against everybody. He's got some of the most premier backs in the in the, in the nation that runs for uh, for Alabama. That being said, you're absolutely right. He's got he's got a quandary because Jalen Hurts got him there. All right, he got him there. So he don't want to answer the question because he doesn't know what he wants. He knows what he should do, but he doesn't want to do it. And he sure doesn't want to do it in front of the media. But that's not to take nothing. But don't 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 bite off the head of the media because they're going to ask the question. And until he comes up with a decision, and even after he comes up with a decision, he's going to have to answer that question. What he should just say is, we're going to play both of them and be done with it. They're both playing well. We're going to continue to play both of them as long as we continue to win. It's his choice. You know, nobody's going to tell him what to do. But, you know, don't don't beat, 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 beat Maria up. She's just asking a question. And my thing is, I'm tired of cat. Look, if you get paid, yeah, we can make pay more than uh, uh, five hundred thousand coaches. But if you get paid more than six million dollars a year, coaching, stop acting like you're inconvenienced. Right. Like I'm tired of these coaches. You getting you're the highest paid person in the state in a in a public job. Stop acting like you're inconvenienced. I wish you would say that to me. I'm gonna say you are the high you are one of the highest you are the highest paid person in the state of Alabama. Stop asking like you ain't for the answer answer the damn question. <laughs> That's it. Right. You know I will too. You know I will. It's staring right. down just like you're gonna stare me down. I mean look, man. Say it with your chest. You know, that that, that stuff just inconvenient. Just what you said is all you had to say. Look, we're going to continue to evaluate him. We're lucky. We're lucky to have two top quarterbacks like this. And we're just going to continue to evaluate them, play them both as long as we can. Right. We're fortunate to have them. Yes. Both great young men. We're just fortunate to have them. We're going to play them as long as we can and and how we do it. As long as we've got this kind of talent, we're going to put them on the field. And we always put we always put the talent on the field. I mean, that's all he's right. going to say. He ain't the first person to play two quarterbacks. So it's just like it ain't the first time it happened in Alabama. So it's right. like just just quit acting like you're being inconvenienced when they don't pay for your house. Like the the, the, <laughs> right. the, the, the boosters don't pay for your house, but you're gonna act like they got you living outside in the doghouse. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. If some if somebody yeah. you know Maria, Maria being nice, you know she try to she try to make sure she get because you know she got that kind of that dog in her. She, so she might she might she might go at him, but you know she's trying to get that other gig. I think on online she got everything going. So she did the right thing. She pivoted to the right question and everything else. But he he might catch her in like two or three years. She, you know she definitely might say something. You know she was right. very respectful and kept it moving. But I mean I'm tired of casting paid all this damn money. You ain't coaching at Austin Pay. You ain't you not you not worrying for no meals. You see you on the boat with all your your hooping and hooping with your cats at noon. Come on, you're not being that inconvenient. That's the stuff that just drives me crazy with some of these coaches, you know, and yeah. and why, you know, we find ourselves in a situation with, you know, people like Urban Meyer and these cats and why they got these egos because people just let it go. Like some of this stuff is just out of respect. You just got to roll with it. So we'll see. We'll watch them. I mean, they, they rolled up on them. They crushed them. So it's one of those things where it wasn't like it was, uh, you know, it wasn't a game. You know, like you should have had some happiness. 
You know, you're not even showing it. You smile a little bit, man. Enjoy the process. But, hey, exactly. that's it. We'll probably keep the saving watch going. We didn't have this on uh, on the, the rundown, but uh, Day came out and uh, coached Ohio State. Those kids played angry and put some points up and and, and, and ran with it. Uh, they looked like they responded to their situation um, and, and just it, it just put it on them. And so, you know, just like we think it's scripted, I mean, uh, he'll be back on Monday coaching. Uh, practice now, and uh, so he won't coach the game for the next two games, but he'll be coaching practice and help with the preparation. But it looks like they're preparing well themselves. Players seem to be responding um, out there. Uh, but we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting once Urban gets on the sidelines. I think there'll be some protests like you were talking about before and how people start handling that. Because uh, I think the, co- the current coaches there did a good job of insulating a lot of that stuff. But now you start to incorporate them into practice. That's going to bring more of that stuff closer to them um, in, in those everyday practices, and then once he's fully uh, reinstated on game day, it's going to have a whole new, a whole new mix to it. Um, so I don't know if you've been, you, you had a chance to watch the Buckeyes uh, a little bit, but they, they, uh, you know, they look like they didn't miss a beat. Yeah, I watched some of that, and let me just preface it by saying that Oregon State is terrible. Okay, that's got to be one of the worst teams I've ever seen. Okay, I mean they're awful. All right, so I, they, they, I, I think uh, Ohio State would have been better served to uh, play Moeller High School versus play Oregon State. They were awful. <laughs> that being said, I mean, I, I mean, it was like those guys. Ohio State looked like they were running up and down the field by themselves. Okay, they could have played their own scout team and done better. I mean, I, I, I'm serious. I, I've seen spring spring games look better than that game with Oregon State. That being said, though, Ohio State came out, did what they were supposed to do, the way they were supposed to do it. They picked the right opponent to do it to. I mean, they, they look, they, they went out on a rain delay, came back in the first play, rain delay, the guy running down the sideline with nobody near him. I mean, that that that's, that's that was just awful. The only thing that that game gives uh, – Ohio State cachet on is that they beat a, a, a Pac-12 team, if that's what you want to call Oregon State. But that is the most talented team in the Big Ten, and they played like it at home. Okay, so uh, there shouldn't be no big whoop there. There was nothing that was going to change. The one thing about Ohio State's climate that we now know, based upon the report and everything, is that it's a slimy climate. So, you know, this little bit of hiccup, with this team shouldn't bother nobody, all right? So, they, 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 like I said, the coach ain't gone. He ain't being fired. You know, they're coaching and doing everything the way they should, running plays against teams that's not going to give going to give little to any resistance at all. So, I'm not surprised by that. Um, what's going to be the big test for them is when Urban Meyer does return, what is going to be the public outcry, is it going to be anything, nothing at all? Uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's come out about how uh, really raggedy and nasty and scathing that this situation with uh, his uh, assistant coach, um, with, with Zach Smith, is. So it's going to be interesting to see if any Me Too groups or anything comes out and actually causes a distraction once the season gets in and once he's actually back on the sideline. But Again, they've got two good games where, you know, they they could probably win them in their sleep throwing their helmets out on the field. So I'm not surprised by that at all. 
Yeah, and, 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 yes, Oregon State is, even though Mike Riley is back as a consultant, they are not, they are far from when Mike Riley was the coach of Oregon State, and they were really, you know, they were upset you. They were upset a team in a minute. Um, you know, Anderson uh, was there for a minute, you know, after he left Wisconsin. Uh, I think they thought they had a coach who could pull it around. Um, and, and right now they got Jonathan Smith in there, and, um Woo. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they ran up on them like, yeah, you're right. They could probably have Moeller or, or somebody. Um, uh, they put what, they put 70-something on them. Uh, so, yeah, that, you, it's hard to tell what you're going to get uh, from that game. And, you know, the, the film, the, it'll be a short film study uh, because they can't let, you know, they can't let those kids get too hyped about that performance uh, because it was like there was no resistance. So, We'll keep on seeing how it's going. I know there's a lot coming out, and, you know, uh, it's all going to change a little bit here now that he can be in practice. It's going to be a little higher level of scrutiny. Um, and so we'll keep tracking that as we go um, uh, with this story. Were there any other moments this weekend before we get into the rest of our rundown that um, kind of tweaked you and got you uh, thinking a little bit um, and got you into your juices going in college football? Well, absolutely. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a college football geek, so you know I'm up early watching all of these games. The one game, you know, I know everybody was really tuned in to that Auburn Washington game, which mm-hmm. to me was somewhat of a snoozer. Uh, and, and I think that that's kind of what happens when you take the game off campus and you put them in these big yeah. stadiums like that was in Carolina. I mean, the thing is, is like. It's kind of hard to get those games hyped. I, I, I noticed a difference between the games that were played in the pro stadiums and the big games that were played on campus. You just cannot – there's just no difference. It's, you, you have an NFL atmosphere, but you got a college game, and they try and, – and, and to the fans' credit, they try to hype it up, but it, it's, a, it's a neutral site game. Anything can happen. But the one game that intrigued me – that, you know, it, I think it had more ramifications uh, for what's coming down the, the pike, and that was the University of Maryland against the University of Texas. The reason why this game, to, to me, was intriguing was because for the second straight year, Maryland found its way and, and, and upset the Texas Longhorns. We were a ranked team this year. Why is that so significant is because that's really funny because for that team to rally together, win that football game, you know, there has been talk because, we, as you know, the young man passed away this spring, but there was talk about Maryland having a toxic environment. Well, D, I'm going to tell you something. If that environment was so toxic, how did that team come together with a coach that they put in as an interim that's never been a head coach for anybody ever and pull off that victory? That, to me, was was intriguing. So I started to really question how toxic of an environment it is there with DJ Durst because his players came out and they balled, and they looked good, and they beat Texas. And Texas, again, is, is one of these teams with a big alumni, you know, big name. You know, expectations is high. Sounds familiar, don't it? Um, with, with a coach who got a championship degree, and they seem to be – coming up a little bit short. Uh, that sounds real familiar, don't it? So I'm just saying, that game was speaking to me. <laughs> and, and you got it. That was a great tease because when we come back, great expectations. 
and we'll come right back. We'll start back at Maryland uh, in, in Texas about that because, like we said, God we trust, but we can't trust football, and this is why. So we'll get into that stuff. We'll get deep into the cypher when we get back. You listen to RSG One Mike with D. Wilson and my man Hank. We'll be back in a minute. Reclaiming my time. Reclaiming my time. <laughs> editor of ringtv.com and I'm on the Real Sports Guys podcast. All right. You re- you listen to the uh uh Real Sports Guys one mic. Uh you can check us out on all podcasts, Real Sports Guys, social media, media Real Sports Guys. You can get me at RSGD Wills uh if you want to hit me up on Twitter, uh Facebook. Um we're talking about college football on this podcast. Um, and the name of the show is In God We Trust, But We Can't Trust Football. And where that came from uh, was uh, I was talking to my brother, and we'll get to Michigan. He's a big Michigan fan and, you know, friend of Jim Harbaugh. And uh, he had me falling out. And he said, you know, he, you know, he talked about he can put his trust in God, but he can't put his trust in the Pistons, Tigers, and Michigan football. They kill you every time. <laughs> and I just fell out in the car. And uh, you know Steve, boy, he's he taking it hard. But he's not the only one taking it hard in, in, in this early part of the season. And I want to start out with, uh, here in the Cypher, uh, with um, the Maryland game you just talked about. You know, you, we, you, you and I had this conversation. Like when Herman came in last year, you know, they, after the Maryland loss, he tried to put it on the previous coach. He's like, you know, we're trying to change the culture. You know, he didn't want to take any responsibility for, you know, he he went really he went very Trumpian with it. He went Trumpian with it. He tried to put it on the press. <laughs> he was like he was like he's talking about the culture and we're trying to change the culture. So he had an entire year in the off season and then he goes to Maryland and they take the L again. And you just said Texas don't write checks for nothing. I know folks down there at Austin. And they don't play, not with their football. And to go and lose to Maryland, they're like, Maryland? Now, if we lost to Maryland in who? We can understand that. But Maryland in football? You know, they down there in Texas like, what's going on? 
and they was whooping them for a while. The, the score was a little closer than it really was. You know, yeah, they were whooping yeah. them for a while. So it, it wasn't like it was uh, it was a very close game. They kind of made a run at the end, but they were basically dominating them again. And and so I mean, when you look at Herman, like what what's your opinion? This is a guy that everybody wants to. You know, I felt like you know if, if Urban Meyer were to go out, you know, Ohio State might try to make a run at him. You know, he's he's a he's a, he's, he's a former offensive coordinator at Ohio State. You know, um, you know he's someone that they probably make a run at. Year two, man. What, what, what are they saying down in Texas? You know what this this thing is kind of crazy because I I don't know what you you know conventional wisdom say to you. Okay, if you can recruit to Houston, you can clearly recruit at Texas. All right, <clears throat> and you should get a a higher quality player that wants to go to UT, and you should get it in. But this is the second slow start in a row with this team. They were, as you said, they were getting spanked. They scored like three, three times in a row. All of a sudden, it looked like they had found themselves. And let me preface by saying that that first week in college football, you're going to see some of this because they don't play, they don't play postseason, preseason games. So you're going to see some, some sluggish play. You kind of look for that because now you're playing live competition. But the thing is, is that. You think that overall the talent will start to take over, and anybody on paper will say, "Well, now Texas has got to be a much more talented team with uh, against Maryland, especially with Maryland coming having two quarterbacks coming off of uh, season-ending injuries uh, and having all the turmoil going on with the coaching staff. Uh, they're going to be motivated, but but yet and still, that's got to be enough of a distraction for these kids." that Texas should be able to take them and take them handily, especially when we're talking about what's been said about Maryland and that this coaching staff or this culture is one that's very toxic, okay? So you just take all that in, right? And then they come out and they literally spank Texas, all right? And they get a break because of the weather. You figure, okay, this is Texas' chance to regroup, get their legs underneath them, take this team out, but that's not what happened. That's not what happened. In fact, you see Maryland don't give up, don't quit, you know, and, and take that victory, all right? That says a couple of things, as I said before the break. That, 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 that says a lot to me. It says a lot about how much, how much stock do you put in a toxic environment at, 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 uh, in College Park, okay? And what's really going on in Texas? I don't know. You know, uh, and, and Tom Herman they look here. This team walked in, you know, ranked 24th, 23rd, 24th in the nation because it's Texas and it's Tom Herman, name only. All right, and then they dropped their first one again to an unranked team, again. Uh, you know what? They're going to start circling the wagons, if you will, down there because they put a lot on Charlie Strong on what he did and did not do. All right, but Charlie Strong did beat uh, Oklahoma. All right. And Charlie Strong did some nice things about recruiting down there. But they made it sound like that that, that that program was in terrible, terrible shape when he left it. All right? And Tom Herman was supposed to be the savior. And so far, uh, it, 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 he, he's shooting blanks, Chief. He's shooting blanks. <laughs> and, 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 and that swag is not going to look like and, and it. Looked, I mean, the pass defense, man, they gave up a 65-yard, a I think, touchdown in the first drive. 
Um, just it seems like they're not organized. And, right. You know, he's the one who talked about discipline and organization. It just looks like those players are not organized. And when you when you you have a whole off season, you have you have spring ball, you have you have uh, fall camp, and again you come out. And I think this is going to be a theme. You know, you have all this time. You come out, you look like you did last year. There's right. something going on. There's something going on. Right. And you're not another thing. You're not competing. Right. That's the thing about it. You're. There's going to be a theme with this. You're not competing. It's not just losing, but you're not competing. And mm-hmm. that is where fans start to lose patience. When a team doesn't look like it's competing, like it's getting after it. You know, you can have some tough losses if you look like you're getting after it. But it don't look like they compete. They don't look like they got no dogs. And I think they that's don't. the part that, 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 that just throws you off when you're talking about a place like Texas where you can throw a rock and hit somebody who can play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look out your window and just get, hey, who can play? You might put your binoculars on, they're going to raise their hand. That's what you're talking right. about. It's not like, you know, you know, Dirk is holding those kids home in the DMV. So he getting those kids from DeMatha and a lot of those places to stay at the crib. That's one of the reasons why they might be trying to – like he has got lockdown on these kids who are leaving. You know, those powerhouses up there in the D.C., Virginia, Northern Virginia area, those kids are leaving and going places. Now he got some of those kids staying and going to Maryland. But you still, like, he's got to work to get that. You, you, you can look all over Texas and find players who can play and do player development. So I think that, you know, I didn't like the way he treated, you know, he kind of, you know, tried to kick some dirt on Charlie Strong when they lost to Maryland. He tried to put the loss to Maryland last year on Charlie rather than Charlie. on himself not having a team prepared. Right? It was, it was, it was crazy. And that, that, that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't know. And then right, Strong no. goes down there to South Florida and puts together a good, good season. So it's just like, you know, they, they've, been, they've been giving him some brother-in-law treatment for a while. So he's got to do something. I don't know. You know, let me say this. I think, too, that um, sometimes in the, in the, that these jobs and what goes along with them, uh, can overwhelm a coach. Now, we, we, you cannot dispute that Tom Herman is one amazing uh, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, and he has a couple of good seasons out there in Houston. Okay, but now you're in the Big Twelve. You're at you're at the school in Texas. All right, you got a lot of folks coming in your office now. You know, they're saying things to you about your football program that they necessarily not necessarily they saying it to you in Houston. All right, and there, there's a pressure out there, D, that you know maybe we don't we don't know nor do we appreciate. But it's not lost on me that what you say is absolutely right. This team looked like they they was getting smoked against a Maryland team that again should have been in all kinds of turmoil. They could have been playing with a lot of heart and a lot of passion, right? But even with that heart and that passion. Texas was supposed to have been able to get up on that team and take that game, and they did not, okay? And when they came back and showed a little sense of urgency, they couldn't sustain it. So uh, there, there's something about playing in these big time or coaching in these big programs and, and uh, uh, internal pressure that goes along with that. And from the looks of it right now, from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like Tom Herman is is handling that very well. And you can just tell that by the way his team's playing. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's something else. Well, we're gonna go. We're gonna go down here quickly and hit uh, the big game in Atlanta. It was basically a home game for uh, for for Auburn. Um, I think they they had like forty thousand tickets down there uh, in Georgia, um, and uh, you know uh, Washington goes down there. The Pac-12 needed a big out of conference victory again to kind of get them positioned to be one of those four teams in the bowl championships uh, series and to try to get four uh, team in there. They, they were they were locked out last year, um, so you know this wasn't just for. Washington taking their program to the next level. This was about the Pac-12 getting their getting their entire conference into conversation. And for the most part, you know, I thought Washington played tough down in there. They went at it. You know, I think the struggles were the turnovers. You know, at the end of the game, when a, a game like that is going to come down uh, to turnovers, um, I think a lot of other things were even um, in a lot of different ways. Uh, they competed. Um, uh, Peterson had them, and Peterson's taking team. He's at Boise. I think he played Georgia down there. Uh, uh, brought his Boise team down there. They ran Georgia out the building. So it wasn't like he was. I think it was Georgia around the building. I don't think he. You wasn't like he was scared. So he had them. He had them prepared to compete. I mean, one thing I say about his team, they compete. They they might fall, but he he'll get his team to compete. Uh, Browning looked like he he made some plays, but they had some turnovers. They had a fumble. Um, they had an interception. Um, that seemed to be the difference in a game like that. Turnovers are going to be there, but I think both those teams uh, look strong. It sets Auburn up for a, a really good run. Washington, as long as Auburn plays well, can probably play off of that if they can if they can run the table, um, you know, in the in the Pac-12. So I thought out of all those kind of marquee teams that needed to make one and kind of fell short to go to that next step, I thought Washington competed the most. What do you think? You know what? I'll tell you. I think Washington shot themselves in the foot. Washington should have won that game. I thought yeah. that when they got around, got into the red zone, they got too cute. Now, you know, Peterson is good for uh, doing a little cute stuff in the red zone and throwing you off. If you recall, it was Boise State that ran like the fumble ruski against Oklahoma, okay, mm-hmm. in the bowl game, and they upset Oklahoma in that bowl game, and they were the uh, non-power five school that everybody was talking about. They were the sexy pick once they beat Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl, I recall. So I think they they, they I think they could have just straight up because they, they were their offense was clicking, they get down the red zone, then they got cute. And that's where your turnovers came in. You know, I think it was three times they got down there and I think they only came away with like three points. It was frustrating because for long stretches of that game, Washington was the better team. They just didn't put the points on the board. Um, this is one of those games where I don't think that uh, it hurts either team because if you watch that game, you could you could make a case that Washington could have and should have won that game. Uh, um, Auburn did win that game, and now they go back into the SEC, you know, with a win, with a non-conference win that they can boast about. Uh, unfortunately for Washington, they need to become Auburn fans but I also hope that Auburn get knocked off and they're able to run through the pack to Pac-12. But, again, it was somewhat of a snoozer for a long time. But if you watch the game, you, there, you, you, you can agree. For a long, long stretch of the game, Washington was the better team. They just couldn't put the points on the board. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think you got it. I think it's a game that's one of those few games that the loss happened early enough. Um, 
neither team got hurt. Washington was on the road trying to beat a team that, you know, people think can make a run. And, um, you know, so they can stay in the conversation because they show themselves well. Like you said, people watching it saw that they were at times the better team. Um, you know, and then, you know, Auburn's going to have some games that they're going to be putting on the board. So I think, I think, you know, uh, it's something that helps uh, both teams uh, if they can continue to, to win, uh, you know, after, after this weekend. Well, we're going to focus in on the one that is probably going to bring us the biggest set of heartburn here on, on the air. Um, I was not a very happy camper last night. I, I built myself up in this offseason. I just knew that the Michigan Wolverines were going to go on the road and compete. Now, you notice the word I'm using is compete. I didn't say win. I said compete. And the first indication I got that they weren't there to compete was on their first drive. They're on about Notre Dame's 46. It's third and three. They've been talking about Shea Patterson all offseason. And I'm thinking, oh, we're about to see Showtime. We're about to let him play. And they run a dive for no gain. On the road, trying to trying to set the tone. We run the ball on third three. That's what he that's what, that's what he look at. Players are probably on the sidelines like, what the hell is going on out there? At that point, Notre Dame, they punt, Notre Dame goes down and scores it down fourteen nothing. Defense is tired and I just didn't see the them compete at a level and I think that's the biggest challenge right now to Jim Harbaugh is that I, I saw nothing that Notre Dame did that was special other than they just out-competed them. Um, they made sure that they put their quarterback, Wimbush, in third and shorts most of the time. But he even scrambled on third and 18 and got first down. But they put him in manageable stuff all the time. It seemed like Shea was being put in third and long all day long. And then when he got hurt, you bring in McCaffrey, you, your play calling changes. It's almost like you you found another playbook, and you're now you're throwing all the time. McCaffrey's energy is going. At that point, you need to pull a Nick Saban. You need to just go with the young boy and just let him run the show all the way through. He seemed to have the momentum. People's energy was up. You were throwing downfield, and then you go back to Shea. Shea is clearly cramping up. And then I think that was part of the issue that happened on the play that he fumbled. I mean, I just think he was cramping up. In a way, when you saw when you watched McCaffrey scramble, he just he 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 made positive yards when he scrambled. He just had a better it felt like he had a better command in offense. And I think Shea Patterson can be good. I just think that the play calling, there's something I've been saying for a few years, is the they're not putting these players in the in the best position. You can't use Tariq Black's uh, injury as an excuse because you play without him. They don't even throw the ball to Perry. Perry catches everything. You don't even get balls thrown to him. So there's something happening here that I think Jim should be accountable for, Jim Harbaugh, that that he has to be accountable for whether or not his team competes. On the other side, Notre Dame said they heard enough. Now, I knew there's problems. I'll say this at the beginning of the game. The way it's supposed to work is the visiting team is supposed to come out first. That's why I think it's supposed to work. Then the home team comes out. 
Harbaugh was holding them. You could see. <laughs> you could see Notre Dame over there getting frustrated. Harbaugh, well, you notice Notre Dame had to come out first and first and first and first. So I know when they had a chance, they was going to try and run this thing up. And, you know, Michigan kind of closed it down at the end. But I just – I saw a defense that wasn't tackling, you know, wasn't doing what they needed to do on the Notre Dame side. I saw a defense that was playing aggressive. Every, they was playing loose. It wasn't just about being at home. They were just playing loose and willing to compete. And so I think this, this is going to be – I think this is where Jim is in hardball has got some issues. You got Penn State, you lost, you're losing again. You got Ohio State, you've been losing against. You got Michigan State. Now you add Notre Dame onto the list. All the teams you need to beat, we're not winning. And those are the games that you got to compete in. To beat those teams, you got to meet them head to head. So, you know, my brother's a big time Michigan fan, you know, friends with the Harbaugh family. That's the first time I've heard him that dejected on the phone. And I know there's rumblings in Ann Arbor. Hank, I know you always try to talk people off. Glitch between you and Steve, I think y'all might be the ones holding the holding the people at the gates <laughs> because y'all try to hold them off. What say you? Well, let me. You got to be Johnny with... Cochran on this one. You got to be Johnny yes, Cochran sir. on this one. If it doesn't fit, yes, you sir. must quit. You got you to come with Johnny on some stuff like that. Oh, oh, oh! I'm coming with more than him. I'm coming. I'm coming with his whole law firm. Let me tell you something. First of all, I'm glad. That we're doing the show tonight Okay Let me start there Because I needed this therapy uh, <laughs> Because what I saw last night um, Was was I was I'm just like every other Michigan fan I, I, I'm going to take on every fan Okay of, of, of the University of Michigan I'm going to take on those who are diehard I'm going to take on those, those cynics I'm going to take on those who Hold them off at the gate and, 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 and true blue, amazing blue, and I'm going to take on the Walmart Wolverines. I'm taking on all of them, okay? Now, hear me out. Here we go. I, like every other Michigan fan, walked into this season like a kid at Christmas time. I just knew that from everything I've heard, everything I've seen, that we were about to see the magic of Jim Harbaugh. We was about to see a Michigan team that we could be proud of. Going back to 1997, we just knew that this team was going to come out. This team was going to make us proud. This team had everything, and what we didn't have, we knew was going to improve. Okay? We had the quarterback. We had the defense, the touted defense. We had a young but improving offensive line. And while we lost one of our weapons, we had a few more weapons, and we wasn't worried. And we were going to go down to South Bend and make a statement. So then Saturday night rolls around. we watching football all day long. Can't wait. I actually go over and watch the game with Steve, who, actually, who by the way, it was his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, brother. To watch this game because we're going to watch – the coronation of this new Michigan football team, and then the game happened. And before I could sit down and put a groove in the chair, we're down seven to nothing. This highly touted defense, 
I'm watching things on this defense that makes no sense to me. I used to coach the pop Warner football. I'm watching uh, defensive ends crash in on a quarterback who they know can run and get around in. What kind of discipline is that? Okay. I'm a Michigan fan. That's okay. We'll be all right. We'll get him. Hell, this is the first game, the first we You know, we're on the road at night. We're going to be all right. Go, Blue. So then when we get the next one, and like you said, 33, Shea Patterson. Kid can run. He can throw. We can do it all. Here come that die. What the hell was that? Don't worry about it. They were just trying to get the offensive line going. Come on. We're going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Go, Blue. <laughs> then, 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 um, Notre Dame gets the ball back, see? Notre Dame gets the ball back, okay? They've been saying all day, Brandon Winbush can't throw. He can't throw. He couldn't throw up. He can't throw. We're going to be all right. He throws this pass out here to the wide receiver. He makes a beautiful fingertip catch. Joshua Tellers drives his shoulder right into his head, out for the rest of the game. All right? Then all of a sudden, here comes his replacement. But Brandon Winbush can't throw. That's okay. We got one of the baddest defenses in the nation. That's okay. Chucks the ball down the field. We see our man. Oh, he's in position. Oh, this is easily going to be in a touchdown Notre Dame. Well, what just happened? Why didn't he catch the ball? Now we're down 14 to nothing on the first two drives. What is really going on? That's okay. It's all right. Still early. First quarter. Got to shake off the rust. They ain't played nobody. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Go, Blue. This goes on, D. This goes on. All of a sudden, you start to realize some things. First of all, we ain't scored an offensive touchdown in the first half. Young man uh, brings a kickoff back. Oh, we got a little life. That's what I'm talking about. Shake it off. But then, or next time you're on special teams, you put Donovan Peoples-Jones back there, who, for some reason, I don't know, decides to field a punt inside his own five-yard line. They told him last year what to do. All right? We move on into the second half. All right? We're moving the ball a little bit. We've got life. All right? Let's get some points on the board. All of a sudden, you got a holder who can't catch a doggone clean snap, missing points. You're still starting to see defensive players playing outside of their lane on a running quarterback, missing tackles. Offensive line can't block. You see a play calling that goes all the way back to peewee football when you didn't have no kids that can play, but we want to get everybody in the game. All of a sudden, you're starting to see things in this game that now it comes from not being angry, D, not being angry. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm a Michigan fan. I bleed maize and blue. I love Jim Harbaugh. Come on, come on. And then at the end of the game, like, oh, damn it, blue, what the hell was that? And why you say what the hell was that? What the hell was that? You mean to sit here and tell me that for the last several months you've been telling me you're going to be ready to play, you're going to be ready to ball, you're going to be ready to compete, and you come back out and you don't look no better than the game you lost to South Carolina in the bowl game. You still can't block. You still can't run. Your quarterback has no time. You don't know how to call plays. All right? You don't know how to call plays. Your special teams are suspect. You have 
one of the top ten recruiting classes in the last two years, and you come out and you look like that. You've got the, the, the native son coaching the team. The native son, Harbaugh, was coached by Bo Schembechler. Bo didn't just roll over his grave. He did a backflip. Why? <laughs> because you're not ready. Your team came out and not ready. It is unfathomable to me, Jimmy, if you're listening. You took a team to the Super Bowl. You took a Stanford team and beat the, the, the national champions. Okay? These are, your, these are your roots right here. Okay? We have given you time. We have defended you. We have protected you. And your team comes out unprepared. What are you going to say to us? It's like a little kid, six years old, looking up the chimney, and his mama and daddy saying, ain't no Santa Claus coming down there at all. You have That's stolen funny. our joy before we even got a chance to get to it. Jimmy, you owe us an explanation, okay? You are supposed to be the Savior, whether you want that or not. You're supposed to know what's going on. You, of all people, supposed to know the talent on your team, you took a Colin Kaepernick and took him to the Super Bowl after having an Alex Smith. We watched you do it. You took a Stanford team that was a sub-500 team and turned them into a 10-1 team. We watched you do it. Okay? We watched you do it. When you took the Michigan job, we knew we were going to be better. We knew we were going to not be a Brady Hope. We knew we were not going to be a Rich Rodriguez. We prayed for you. We could defend it. You. you said, give him time, and you come out. You come back, and you, Jim Harbaugh, demanded that we bring Notre Dame back on the schedule. We waited for this. We watched you do it when you were taking your shirt off, when you were sleeping with recruits at their house. Don't want to get that twisted. Okay? <laughs> when you were taking the team to, to Rome, when you were taking the team to France, we watched you do it. Why? Because we knew in the end we was going to be victorious. We was going to be the victors once again. Why, Jimmy? Why? Why did we come out there and leg a big-ass ostrich egg in front of a national television? Help me understand that, Jimmy, because I'm representing every blue right now. We want the best. We expect the best. But you are the head man of Bo Schembechler, Fritz Chrysler's program. Okay, we were willing to sweep the sweep of the dark ages of Rich Rodriguez, of Brady Hoke away because we knew you was gonna bring us back. Jimmy, you're nine and nine in the last eighteen ball games, Chief. Help us understand, because I don't know. I have nowhere else to go. If there's no Santa Claus, Jimmy, I might as well go to Walmart right now and beat Black Friday. <laughs> Jimmy, we got to be better. One game That's does right. not a season make. I get it. Well. One game does not a season make. Well. But you, have, but you, sir, you, sir, have to bring the luster back to the maze. You, sir, got to bring the luster back to the boo. You have to. If you don't, Jimmy, if you don't, the next color you're going to see is pink, brother. Pink. And I don't want to have to say that. You're going, we got to get better. This team was not ready. 
See, they weren't ready. They weren't, they weren't ready. ready. And that is what is so per- that is what is so painful. Everybody knew they weren't ready. Everybody in Maize and Blue is frustrated this morning because they will say, listen, I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. But I can. I can. And you, when, you, when you got Michigan fans saying, I hate that I love you so much. This sounds like a bad relationship, D. It sounds like a bad relationship. If we feel like we've been cheated on. And if we ain't, brother, you better prove us wrong. Let everybody in the congregation say, amen. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. We're going into the overtime, y'all. So if y'all want to catch the rest of this, we're going to be in the overtime on this one. We, I want to dig in this a little bit, then we're going we to wrap it up. So, you know, you definitely catch it on iTunes. You'll be able to hear this in the overtime possibly. But, uh, man, you hit so many gems on it. Uh, you hit it right on the head, man. Um, it's 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 like out of body experience. And I had someone say yesterday, you know, um, uh, shout out to Joy was watching the game, saying, "Look, you know what's going on with Harbaugh? He's like his reaction. He doesn't get angry. He's like a madman on the sidelines with the Forty Niners in in the, in the, in, the, in, the, uh, uh, in Stanford. He was in everybody's face, whether it was a player, a coach." You know, in a way that people a lot of times will uh, say Saban is. And he just, he all you see him is putting his hands on his knees and looking down the front. Like, you don't see the anger. Like, one time, I mean, the, the uh, uh, Notre Dame climbed up the back of the tight end on the crossing route at least twice. Passing affairs, no flag. You didn't see Jimmy have a reaction at all. And the team is yeah. going to feed off of him. And the other thing that I'm noticing is, and I talked to Steve about this, is is who's the leader on offense? The one time when McCaffrey was in there for that series of play, you saw you had a leader. I think Shea could be a leader. But, like, they have no leadership on offense. And yesterday they didn't have any leadership on defense other than Bush. I mean, Bush is always on 10. But it's like, you know, you know Gary, I don't know where he was. You know, for, he made some plays, but he, like, he was a witness protection program. It's like too many of these kids on defense are reading clippings. And kids on offense weren't competing. And it just and part of the offense not competing was the, the kids not being ready, but also the, the game plan was not aggressive. Even the kind of players they had yeah. and what they said they had a quarterback. In Shea and in McCaffrey, you have two quarterbacks who theoretically can do better than you had before and get the ball down the field. Loosen it up. You can't run. You can't run if 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 you if, if everybody's in a box. Um, because they know you're not going to really test them and stretch them. It's not like you don't have any players. They don't even throw to Perry. Every time they throw to Perry, he catches the ball. Even, like, there's guys who are not involved in the offense, and I don't understand it. So, it's just, you're right, there's, there's things to answer, especially when you have an entire summer, an entire offseason to get ready for this game. But you should have at least competed. At least competed, D. And the thing about it was, I don't know who's calling the plays, Okay. But you wait till there's five minutes left in the game to call a screenplay when you know that the defensive line is yeah. in your back all game. I mean, They've the been thing every that, time. Like I that frustrated me was 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 football one on one. Okay, I mentioned yeah. that the, the defensive ends. You don't crash in on a quarterback that can run. He, they're just going to go right around you and go down the sideline, and that's what Wimbush was doing. That's football one on one. When you got a running quarterback, you stay in your lanes. All right, this is what you do. 
I don't know how come the secondary was playing so porously, you know, against a quarterback that's not known for being able to throw the football. I don't understand uh, why you, you uh, when you saw Shea Patterson have success rolling out the pocket and getting the ball down the field, why would you go away from that? I don't understand why you wait till late in the game to start using your wide, your, your running backs as wide outs, you know, as another option. There's just so many things that didn't make sense to me. That 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 uh, um, it, it just again it just seems like all phases of the game was not prepared. And then you know we, we want to talk about Jim Harbaugh's reaction. I understand that when he first got here, he was throwing stuff all over the field. The team fed off of that, but then they started to uh, uh, penalize him 15 yards, especially in the Ohio State game. Okay, so he's trying to keep himself. And now they're saying that if the coach loses their mind on the sideline, they're going to eject the coach. But you, so I, I can understand why he's trying to stay a little bit more docile on the, on the sideline, but not in the locker room. Okay, another player that you talked about didn't hear his name being called all game long was Kalik Hudson. Kalik Hudson yeah. was supposed to be like this this viper player that was supposed to just disrupt. The, I didn't hear Kalik Hudson's name all game long. The thing is about it is you know, and then even after what we've talked about, they had an opportunity to still get that game to overtime, but that two minute offense was abysmal. I mean, it's like nobody knows how to run a two-minute offense on this team. I don't understand that the team act like they were sleepwalking. Okay, it just, it just, it didn't make sense. It did not look like a Jim Harbaugh coach team. Um, I just, I, I, I'm at, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss at what I've seen, and uh, I like a lot of Michigan fans now. You know, is holding my breath on this season um, because I don't think that Notre Dame. Was the most talented team on their on their schedule this year? They got Wisconsin coming in. They got Ohio State, Michigan State. You mentioned Penn State. Now, and to Michigan State and Penn State, who didn't play well at home against lesser than opponents, gave up a bunch of points. All right, but you can't expect that kind of performance with a Michigan roll. They're going they're going to give them their best effort. So, yeah, we I, I speak for every Michigan fan. There is deep concern. And 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 fast forwarding, if that concern is made to be a reality, what's next for this program? I mean, you're talking about a decision or decisions that could set this program back a decade. You know, Jim Harbaugh has to figure this out. He has to. Well, this is this is the crazy thing, but and I love Jim. I, I think he was the right pick. But the crazy thing about it, because at that time, both Jim and John were in different places, and my thought process at the time that. John might be a better fit for Michigan than Jim, and uh, and you know, I think they're both great coaches. Um, but I, I think John has much more of a steady hand in a lot of different places. And I think Jim, it, it, it seems like he's in, he's been really loyal and investing in, in some of these other coaches. You know, his, his son is coaching running back. You know, you you had Wheatley coaching running back. You know, you right. had a guy who right. knew how to coach running back. Now your son. Now I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's not weak. You know, right. uh, he's not Jackson who retired, who coached a lot of great running backs, right? And so, some of that is the you know, do you have the caliber of coaches in certain places? Brown co- comes with a lot of great experience, but if he don't stop playing man to man against coach the quarterback that can't throw, part of what makes made made Bush, Bush uh, look good is the fact that he was too stubborn to get out of the man to man. And force him to throw into into uh, into um, deep holes, you know, or playing some man under and zone over top. You know, 
he's going to – Wimbush is going to look uh, worse against other teams who have coordinators who are willing to make him turn into a quarterback. Because if you got all those guys looking at him, when he scrambles, you're going to be – a lot of times he was scrambling, guys had their back turned because they're a man-to-man right. defense. And I'm right. thinking, why are you just playing man? You can, you can play man under 2D. You can do some things. But you want – in those third down and long situations, you know, force this guy to play quarterback. And when he tucks it and runs, have your guys in position where they can help with a pursuit on the outside. He, he did that against Ohio State and got killed. He just refuses against these quarterbacks who you know – are going to be run first kind of guy. He wants to play man, and man means your back is turned. Your back is going to be turned to the line. It means once you break, it, once you break the line, you got you can run forever. And, I, and he That's just refuses to, to to not to get out of that. And Jim has got to come in there at some point and say, stop it. He still got yeah. his other defensive coordinator, uh, coach of the defensive line. You might have to switch him. You know what I'm saying? You got the other defensive coordinator right there at the coaching defensive line. You might have to put him back where he you, you might have to put it, but you gotta have something different. You gotta be able to make an adjustment and know who you're playing against. They made him look better than he really is. Because they refused they to get out of man. You you they can't did. have small defensive backs covering six five guys with no real help over top. And the other thing, this is the thing that's driving me crazy. To all you know, I feel like I to all defensive coordinators and defensive back coaches in both college and the pros. If you teach cats to play the ball, you will you will rarely get penalized. If Matillus would have just played the ball, he would have had interception. I don't know why he was dipping his shoulder the whole time. The ball was up in the air like a like a like a lollipop. Yeah. You have to play the ball. If he plays the ball your head is going to be out of position. You, you're not going to put – your head's going to be nowhere near them because you're playing the ball. You have to teach these kids how to play the ball. Even the backs now are not taught how to play the ball, especially on those kind of throws, especially if you're coming over from the safety to help out. Your first thing is not to hit. should be to see where the ball is and see if you can get over and knock it down and get the interception. But these, these cats are lofting it. They're not throwing darts. Very few of them are no. throwing darts. So you, you, they, they're giving you enough air under there. You should be playing the ball. And so it's, it's that kind of stuff that I see that just drives me crazy. Uh, with some kids who are talented, if you coach them. And you got to create competition. It's obvious he's playing these seniors. He's got some younger kids. The kid who returned the ball, he's a defensive back from Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some speed. you you got to create competition, not by age group. Some of these seniors who haven't been playing, Especially twenty three, he give up touchdowns all the time. At some point, you got to have somebody uh, who's playing with him who can push him. And if he can't keep playing, you got to put somebody else in there. I mean, that's what Jim has got to be doing. Create that competition. If you're not going to play, we'll put somebody else in there. You, you know, that's what Stephen would do. He needs to coach with a sense of urgency. He really does. I know. I think that you know when you look at it, you ask yourself, have you gotten so comfortable here at Michigan that you don't feel like? Uh, you have to coach with that same sense of urgency that you're not watching everything because there was just, for a hardball coach team, there was just so much wrong, you know. It's like what you're talking about. It's like what are you looking at in, at practice that you thought this team was going to come out and be well-oiled because it didn't show. It just did not show. Well, you listen to uh, one mic, uh, RG one mic, the cypher. Uh, you know, we're talking about these, these – um, Big time programs who got fans who are 
feeling like they can't trust them. And we highlighted uh, 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 Texas. Uh, we talked about Michigan um, in a way. The Washington-Auburn game isn't quite that one um, uh, because of the, of the fact that, uh, um, you know, Washington's kind of come up. But, you know, fans – but those fans, the Washington fans have big hopes. They got a, they got a, they got a Heisman Trophy quarterback, caliber quarterback. They feel like they can go on the road and get a victory. Um, but, you know, Texas and Michigan, um, there's some coaches who folks are going to really be evaluating. Um, and I hate to say that. Um, it, 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 it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. I was hoping that Appalachian State was going to beat Penn State and kind of take the Michigan laws off the snide, but uh, that didn't quite yeah. happen. That's why I knew that probably was going to be a bad day. I said, uh-oh, we might, this might be the day we all been waiting for. You know, yeah. and 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 most of, and and you had Corso uh, picking uh, Notre Dame to win. I was like, okay, this this might be this is a good day. Well, when we come back, I gotta give Hank a break. We gonna have him drop the mic when we come back. Uh, we are gonna have him talk a little bit of baseball update because Hank, we always check in with Hank about what's going on with baseball. We, we didn't kind of put it to the rundown, but you know he's always paying attention um, and kind of give us a sense of what he's hoping to talk about. Uh, when you get a chance to listen to him on Inside the Park, that's another podcast that we have on RSG where we focus on. Uh, Hank takes us away from the metrics. He brings back the heart of baseball on his podcast, uh, so we want to dip in a little bit of that. Um, when you get a chance, uh, check out our latest uh, one we dropped on the big show uh, that we have out there. That's with myself, uh, Phil, and, uh, and Marcus the Game Changer. Uh, we also have a podcast, Hustle and Flows, that's the intersection between uh, hip-hop and uh, sports. Uh, stay cool and Marcus Kill That. Um, some great stuff. You can go back and check out the catalog as it relates to all those podcasts. Just hit us up on either you can check our blog on all other podcast platforms. Search Real Sports Guys. Social media set, search Real Sports Guys. We'll be back with a little bit of hate, talking a little bit of baseball, and then having him drop the mic to close us out. This is Ben Miller, 2018 RSG 20 Challenge winner on the Real Sports Guys. Hey, what's up, Ben? Shout out to Ben. Soon we'll probably give you an early uh, check in uh, to the RSG Tourney Challenge there we do for the NCAA tournament, so stay tuned to that. Uh, we've been talking a lot of college football today. Uh, Hank had the most uh, heartfelt and spirited 
um, uh, segment that I've heard in a long time, and he is that kind of person. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks who are that emotional about their teams right now, this early season, because a lot of fans start with a sense of hope. And so um, as we close it out here uh, with the Drop the Mic segment, uh, before we get to that, um, you know, Hank is our, 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 our uh, host of RSG Inside the Park, where, like I said before, where we focus on baseball, getting away from the, the metrics. As I always say, you know, in Moneyball, you know, they, 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 they criticize these cats who are only hearing the sound of the bat. Uh, that they need to pay attention to the analytics that tells a different story. And I'd say the analytics and the sound of the bat matter. And uh, I think right now we're trying to swing that pendulum a little more back to uh, some of the qualitative sides of the game. And so um, uh, we're going to have uh, Hank, you know, give us a little bit of feel of what he's been seeing here late in the season um, and kind of taste of what you might expect um, with uh, inside the park. And then at that point he's going to drop the mic in. We're going to close it out with y'all. Okay, so, you know, we want to talk a little bit, uh, a little bit of time we got left here is, uh, you know, a few transact, a couple of transactions happened, D, uh, over the course of last week, and uh, we've seen two MVP players get moved, okay? And it's not too often that you get to see that too often, too, too much, but uh, a couple of MVPs got moved to other teams that are trying to compete now uh, going into the playoffs. When you look at the standings, you know, everything, you know, is pretty much wrapped up, if you ask me, in the American League. You know, Boston got like a seven-and-a-half uh, uh, a game lead over the, over the Yankees, and the, but the Yankees trying to make a push, which one of the first uh, of the ex-MVPs got moved, Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, yeah, Kutch. You know, yeah, first McCutcheon, of Pittsburgh yeah. moved over to San Francisco. Now Kutch is now with the New York Yankees, okay? You know, Aaron Judge has been injured. Off injured, having a hard time, don't, don't know when he's going to come back. So they got some insurance with Cutts. Now, you know, Cutts is beginning a little longer in the tooth, but he's still a very good ball player. Um, and uh, you, you, the Yankees is pretty much a lock for the playoffs. So you got a player like that burst out to play the outfield, still got a good bat. I think it's going to be a, a real good fit in that short porch in, uh, in Yankee Stadium. Another move that was made kind of under the radar, if you will, Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson, again, a former MVP player, uh, formerly with the Toronto Blue Jays, got picked up by the Cleveland Indians. Now, Josh uh, Donaldson still suffering with some injuries right now, hasn't played for 36 games this year, uh, calf injury, shoulder injury. But this is another big bat that Cleveland has, has acquired, and they're going to need it. Okay, they're absolutely going to need it. They're going to have to really be able to put some uh, runs up. Uh, with the likes of uh, the Astros and the, and the Red Sox and the Yankees coming because it's going to be in the playoffs. Uh, and then on the side note for me, again, the question I'm going to ask, and when we drop another podcast for Inside the Park, I'm going to ask this again, and it sounds like it's my own little uh, tedium thing uh, that, that I keep on bringing up on time and time again, but it's about Mike Socia. Okay, Mike Socia, again, uh, has a job with the Angels, which I don't think he deserves, which I don't think he's – I think he's he's been uh, – should have been gone several years ago. But he still has a job, all right? And the Angels, once again, has under, underachieved again this year, all right? Now, uh, Albert Pujols is out for the year with surgery. You still have Mike Trout. Now you've got Shoney Otani over there. The He's going to be the rookie of the year, you ask me, okay? The, the, the do-all pitcher, hitter. So I think you're going to have him. He's going to be your, your rookie of the year. But the problem that I got, though, 
is you keep getting good players. You still keep getting players rotating into that Angels locker room, and yet you made the playoffs one time in the last six years, and yet you still got a job. You know, I think it's time. I think if you're going to, if you're the Angels, it's time to make a change. It's time to move on. It's time to do something else. You know, but those are things that's going on right now. The playoff, the last of the regular season, the playoffs is about to about to kick up. You know, soon um, we start getting into some ugly baseball with some of these teams that's long out of it, especially in the American League Central. But we'll stay tuned. Um, but that's what's going on with baseball right now, D. So you know, we just got to keep an eye on it. Look, look for our podcast to come soon on baseball, especially before the playoffs. We'll do a playoff preview. Thank you for the, uh, just, just giving us a little bit of taste, but uh, I know when you get in that podcast, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hit them with a whole bunch of other uh, 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 nuggets and everything else. Uh, but, hey, man, we're going to let you drop the mic, and then we're going to take it home. All right, sir. You know, again, a lot of things happen outside the sports world. Um. But uh, this week, on a somber note, we lost. You know, we we had the we celebrated the lives of two great Americans. Uh, one we all know around these these parts where I'm from, the Queen of Soul, Miss Aretha Franklin, who went out in I, I guess you could say grand 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 fashion. Why I say that because the Queen of Souls service lasted well over seven hours, okay? That's a work shift for some of us. Uh, and, but the thing is, there was a lot of people, a lot of dignitaries, a lot of folks that had a lot of kind words, had a lot of songs uh, for the celebration of the Queen of Soul. Uh, her music has transcended generations. And uh, from around here, uh, it was a big event. It was a huge event. And so that was that was the big thing here that we finally said goodbye to again an American icon. Another on the political side, Senator John McCain had presidents, uh, former presidents Barack Obama and George Bush, uh, to speak at his funeral uh, to speak on unity, to speak that uh, we are one country. While those men were his adversaries. Or opponents, he maybe not gotten along with them well. He asked them to speak uh, at his funeral simply because of unity. Why I bring up both of these because Aretha Franklin was an activist. Okay, any sort of any any cause that was worthwhile, she was a part of it. Um, John McCain was known as a maverick. Tomorrow we celebrate Labor Day, which we're talking about the unions. So you're talking about a country in a time where we have some icons right now in this country that who spoke on unity, that lived unity. Tomorrow we are celebrating our workers and the, and, the, and, the, and the unions. We need to continue to become a unified nation. Uh, and, and that's what we need to, to work on, work with. And while we sit here and while we, we clown and we are so passionate about our team, about what happens on the field, the court, um, that that we need to make sure that once the games are over, that we do like we used to do back in the day, you know, say nice game, pat each other on the back, and we still become one. These two, these two people, 
the Queen of Soul, the Maverick, they 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 live that, okay, and they and they try to uh, show that on their last days here, and I think while we're still here, we should try to do the same thing. That's going to be one mic for tonight. Again, happy Labor Day, everybody, and we will see you next time. Talk to you next time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.